This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast. You know, many times I've dreamed of hovering above the earth, looking down upon my home where I went to school, or simply watching dolphins play in the azure waters below. Well, one way I've realized this dream is by flying a helicopter. The helicopter is a unique aircraft. You know, it transports people to unique locations. It allows us to view the world from a point, a specific point in space. And it also plays a key role in saving lives. If this sounds like fun, you should consider a career as a helicopter pilot. In past episodes, we spoke with police, army, and coast guard helicopter pilots, and you can find those episodes by viewing the show notes. But joining me today is a pilot who can help us understand how to get started towards becoming a commercial helicopter pilot. Pam Landis is vice president and chief flight instructor of Ocean Helicopters in West Palm Beach, Florida. Pam is truly passionate about helicopters and teaching people how to fly. Pam's also on the training committee with the Helicopter Association International. You know, as a testament to her commitment to aviation education, she was instrumental in having Ocean Helicopters being awarded the 2014 Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association Flight Training Excellence Award for Outstanding Flight Schools. Now, this is an amazing feat because, you know, usually only about 10 flight schools from around the country are selected. But Ocean Helicopters was the only helicopter flight school featured. Welcome to the podcast, Pam. Well, thank you so much, Carl, for having me. Yeah, we, you know, we we uh, we keep crossing paths. I think uh, both with Sun and Fun Radio and all this has been wonderful to to have you on. I've been to your school. Uh, full disclosure, I've I've walked around. I think you have a a, a great uh, program there over at Ocean Helicopters, and it's in a really cool location just to the north and to the uh, west of West Palm Beach. And uh, I can't wait. After we're done with this, I, I want to come down and, and start flying helicopters again. Well, I look forward to it. It would be a great day because we always do have those blue skies and those blue, beautiful blue waters. <laughs> and it, it's so neat to see the, the coast from the air. I just went up on a flight yesterday. I'm still tickling myself flying around at, at like uh, 1,500 feet. But to you, that's kind of high, isn't it? Uh, yeah, usually we're around 500 feet or below. We're very fortunate that we get to kind of, you know, get down close and get to really get a beautiful view of some things. You know, we have some beautiful golf courses and beautiful homes down here and we do a lot of aerial photography. So we get down and close and so, but most of the time, 500 feet is pretty pretty much where we're at yeah and that's that's up close and personal to me i mean yes, that, it is. <laughs> that, 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 that's pretty exciting and you can see so much from 500 feet and you know speaking of that the, the before we get into the careers of helicopters you know one of the things we we have to do i think in life is get into something we really enjoy and a lot of people don't understand the different joys of flying helicopters i just spoke about you know flying above the waters and and seeing you know the dolphins and the manatees and things like that uh what other things you know what type of joy do you get out of flying helicopters well you know when i first became a flight instructor my biggest excitement was obviously that new student the one that was being able to solo the very first time and getting out of the aircraft and just that grin from ear to ear, that smile, that excitement. I mean, that that was always what kept me 
you know, feeling the passion that I had for aviation, for helicopters, um, some of the things that just really excite me are the opportunities to get to fly all over South, the Southeast United States. And also here in the flight school, we get to meet so many wonderful people. We have students right now from all over the world, and that's exciting. It's wonderful to see so many cultures and so many wonderful people come together, work together, and all know that they are, they're working together for one common goal, and it's just a beautiful thing. So that's a lot of the, the good stuff that keeps me coming back every day and getting, you know, getting me up out of bed every morning. <laughs> we sure do have this common passion, and that's aviation. But Pam, how did you get started? You didn't just uh, get out of bed one day and say, I want to fly helicopters. How did you get into helicopters, and do you also fly fixed wing? Well, I don't fly any fixed wing. Um, I have had the opportunity to fly with some of the wonderful flight schools here on the field, and they have taken me out and tried to teach me, you know, how to fly those funny things with wings. And <laughs> I've had a great time doing it, but I still keep coming back to my helicopters because they are truly my passion. Um, I started, you know, it was funny. I was a little girl. I was eight years old, and my family, we were visiting other family up in the Poconos of Pennsylvania. And I kept hearing this noise. And so I, you know, as a nosy little kid, looked outside and was like, wow, what's that thing going around in circles? And my dad's like, oh, they're doing helicopter rides. He said, right then and there, my eyes lit up and I started begging <laughs> and begged and begged and begged for about two hours. And he finally gave in because he couldn't take it anymore and said, all right, fine, we're going for a helicopter ride. The only thing was, I had the chicken pox. Oh, and no. I was very afraid that I was very contagious. So my dad very sweetly went down, talked to the pilot. Pilot said, you'll be the last one of the day. I'll take her up because you know what? She's probably pretty miserable. And if this makes her feel better, we'll go for a flight. So we did. It was in a Bell 47G. And we went flying. And he said that... Most all the flights that he did were about 15, 20 minutes, but he was going to take us for a nice long flight because he had plenty of fuel and it was a beautiful sunset. So we flew around for probably about 45 minutes. And my dad still says to this day, he can remember me crawling out of the helicopter and pulling on his pants and saying, Daddy, I want one of those for Christmas. And he thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, if you're not going to get me one for Christmas, can I fly one when I get to be a big girl? And he said... Well, sweetie, most girls, you know, they become teachers or they're nurses or, you know, they stay at home and become really good mommies. And I just kind of took that and thought, well, okay, that's, I guess, what, what we do when we get older, because that's all I had ever heard women could do. And many, many years later, after my husband and I got married and he kept seeing me every time I'd hear a helicopter go over, I'd run to the window or go out the door and stand there and watch one go over. He went and found me a place where he could get me a gift certificate. And he got me a gift, certif a gift certificate for a uh, just a pleasure flight, a trial lesson. And they pretty much had to peel me out of that aircraft <laughs> when we got back because I found my true love, my true passion. And for many, many years, I was raising my children and working in a dental office as a dental assistant. And telling every patient that I worked on when they couldn't talk, I was telling them stories of how much I wanted to fly. And I gathered my pennies together one day and went to the local flight school and said, okay, I'm ready to start flying. This was about seven months after I had taken my initial uh, demonstration flight. And it was with the same person I had flown with on my demo flight. And 
went through and I said, if I could just get my private pilot's license, wow, I had accomplished more than I ever thought I would. And then I got my private pilot's license, took me about seven months or so to do that because I was, like I said, raising children and working and just doing it more for fun. And my instructor said, you need to keep going. And I was like, nope. I've done exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to get a private pilot's license. He said, okay, well, you've done it, but I think you should keep going. He was a great instructor. He was always very encouraging. He was somebody that just always, you know, you had one of those days that just nothing seemed to to do what it was supposed to. And he'd be, hey, you know, he'd always find that shining spot and say, hey, you did really well today. And he was such an incredible person. And to this day, he's still my mentor. Cool. Um He's one of those guys that has said, you've got to keep doing this. You've got to keep following this dream because I think you're going to do really well. So I said, okay, I'll come back and I'll do my commercial license just so, you know, I'm still flying. Well, I got my commercial license and then I got my CFI and I opened up my own flight school. So I've continued to learn and to train and that's kind of how things have gone. Opened up my flight school. I had a company in Fort Lauderdale that was called Americopter, and we had it up running for about five years until Hurricane Wilma came through. And I lost everything I had in the hurricane, including my hangar and my aircraft. And when I was kind of down in the dumps, I met a really nice gentleman by the name of Dave Harmon. He was the owner of Ocean Helicopters, and he was looking for somebody to partner with because he wanted to go off doing commercial jobs, and he needed somebody to take over the flight school. And I was kind of sharing my tale of woe to him. And he's like, this is perfect. You're exactly what I'm looking for. And I'm like, you're exactly what I'm looking for. We merged our businesses together. And now we have ocean helicopters here in West Palm Beach. Wow, that's an incredible story, Pam. You know, going from the point of having somebody that you love encourage you to get into aviation. And then the other important part is that I hear is, is having somebody, an instructor, and how important your instructor was, not just for teaching you, but also for encouraging you to go forward. And all of a sudden, that person now is actually a partner in a business. Yes, exactly. That's phenomenal. That's, and another thing that, that I think is, is amazing and a, a testament to your drive to fly helicopters is the fact that you kind of went through this quickly, but you, you were actually raising children during this whole process? Yes, I was two sons. Wow, I mean that—that's—that's that's got to really be a challenge uh, to to be able to shuffle all that and then get all your ratings and then go on to become an instructor. You know, it's funny because there's a lot of times when people come through here and they have their young kids and they say, you know, we're trying to figure out, you know, how to do all this. And I said, hey, I there were times when maybe I didn't pay a phone bill or something like that because I wanted to fly. And I remember one day coming home and the power was out in the neighborhood. My kids didn't notice it, but we walked in and one of the things my oldest son said, mommy, is there no power because you're flying this week? (laughs) So my sons and my husband, my husband has been the biggest motivation I could ever possibly have when it came to flying. He was always so supportive and always kept pushing me and you know, it, it was tough right? raising two children, you know, and working a full-time job and learning how to fly. But when you have good support groups around you, an awesome husband, kids that just thought, wow, mom's flying. She's cooler than cool. <laughs> and friends that just knew how much I truly did love it. Having that support around me, you know, when you have that, you can do anything. 
Well, Pam, you know, before we start talking about helicopters, you bring up this great point, and it's also a question I get very often. People ask me, can I go into aviation and also have a family at the same time? I guess you could answer that question. Without a doubt. I think that's great. Uh, and you've obviously done it. And, and you know, if you're listening right now, please go to feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Send us an email. If you want encouragement from Pam, I'll forward that email because there are so many folks out there that I get this question at least once every other month. You know, I'm not sure I can go into aviation because it is difficult. Okay. It's not, you don't show up and get your license. Uh, it really is. It's a difficult process, but you can do it. I mean, you just have to set out a plan and have the passion just like, like Pam has done. And I uh, really commend you for that. I think it's awesome what you've done. And you've totally, you have really, really excelled in it, too. I think that's, that's awesome. And truly an ambassador for aviation in general, not just, just flying helicopters. But, you know, let, let's get to helicopters because I, I really, there, there's a couple of uh, things. Uh, there's a couple things that I really get confused about when I'm answering questions uh, with people that, want to get into to helicopters as a living. And I, I tell them that, you know, you can do it if you're from whatever background you come from, you can become a helicopter pilot. Because I, I hear this so often where someone says to me, well, I have to be a military helicopter pilot to get a job flying helicopters. And I'm like, no, no, you don't. I think anybody can get into it. Pam, isn't that true? Or is that true? I should ask you. You really can. You can get into this, you know, from wherever you come from, you know, there's, like I said earlier, I have students from all over the world. I have people coming from some of the poorest, poorest countries, and they have found ways to make it happen. And they, because they have this drive in them to want to fly helicopters and make it their career, they have found ways. And again, support of family, support of, you know, friends, you know, that just will help them. There's, you know, when... We work as a single unit. We may not have as many options, but when we work as a group, we find so many different options. And, you know, there's always people out there that maybe will have an idea. And we may think a lot of them are very far-fetched, but you know what? Sometimes they all pay off. So anybody from anywhere of any race or culture can do this, and they can make it a successful career if it's their passion. Well, talking about the career of flying helicopters, um, now why would somebody consider this as a career, as a job, becoming a helicopter pilot? You know, the probably the first thing that I hear from most of the students that walk through, and I know I was one of them, the first thing that I said that I was going to be an EMS pilot. I wanted to save lives. And that's pretty much every single person that walks through the door. That's the reason why they want to fly helicopters and make it their career. But it's funny, once they get into the field and then they find out how many other places that they can put their talents in the helicopter world, then, you know, they stop and think, okay, well, yes, I still want to be an EMS pilot at some point in time throughout my career. But wow, I never thought about, you know, going in this direction or going in that direction. So, you know, there's just so many different options that we have as helicopter pilots. Um, You know, when it comes down to jobs, there's, you know, from soup to nuts. And we can go into a lot of the different careers and, you know, what are the directions for people. Um, I find that 99.9% of the people that first walk through the door, they all believe that, you know, because the one thing that we see the most of is our local EMS helicopter pilots that are out there, you know, saving lives and making a difference. And 
from there, we can go into firefighting. We can go into pipeline and power line surveys. We can go into police. We can go into surveillance. We can do wildlife surveys. Um, the, the list just goes on and on. Life-saving, you know, there's... Oil so, rigs, that's another one, I yeah, guess. Yeah, the oil rigs are huge. You know, it's funny because I kind of, I hear, or I can kind of follow the oil industry by where we get our pilots from. Hmm. You know, so if the oil industry is doing really well in Africa, we tend to have a lot of African students here. When the oil is doing really well here in the States, we have a lot more American students. You know, sometimes it's bigger in Brazil. Sometimes, you know, it's just different areas. So it, we can kind of follow the oil and gas industry by watching where our students come from. But um, there's just so much opportunities or so many jobs out there for so many different areas of the helicopter world. I have people who do the heli skiing in Greenland where they take people up to the mountains and they drop them off and they go skiing. They oh, do that wow. way. Um, there's guys that are doing long line or external load where they carry things underneath the helicopter doing forestry um, or do spreading a lime rock in Switzerland for the fields. They need a lot of that. There's, you know, again, the oil and gas industry is big in Alaska and uh, British Columbia and places like that. So there's just so many opportunities in the helicopter world. You know, it's interesting, as you were saying this, uh, I, it brings back some memories of some flights I've done. Uh, I flew down to Mexico and uh, let passengers off an aircraft. And within, I'd say, about 15 minutes, these folks were on a helicopter on their way to an oil rig. I mean, it was it was that quick. They had yeah. all their gear, got off, boom, they're on their way out there, and, and they were out there probably soon after after we took off. Uh, it, was, it was pretty amazing. And what's amazing is the ability to move people from point A to point B. Uh, another thing that you mentioned, which is, I think, pretty cool, because I've seen some videos on YouTube, and we also have a listener, a couple listeners, actually, that are interested in doing this, and they asked about the long lines, you know, where you're, you're out there with an external load and you're actually, you're doing work on these power lines, which when I first saw it, I was like, oh my God, you know, it's like, <laughs> how do you deal with this? It start, you know, get a gust of wind or something. It looks pretty darn dangerous. Uh, how hard is it to get into something like that? Well, it is, um, you know, I wouldn't say it's very hard, but it's one of those that it takes a special person. I am so proud to say that I have five of my guys that had come through the training with us, became flight instructors, built their hours with us, and now are working for one of the biggest pipeline and power line companies out there here in the States. And they're the ones that are out there that are doing the marker ball inspections and they're doing where they lift the guys and, you know, they ground themselves on the wires and do all the wire maintenance and they do the human external cargo where they've got the guys in the baskets swinging below the helicopters and they got the other one that's using the saw to trim the trees away from the power lines. Um, you know, wow. It, to do that, it's amazing. Um, one of the beautiful things about most of the companies here in the States that use those types of pilots, they want to get young guys or girls that are sharp on their skills, that are really good at their maneuvers and are very, very um, patient <laughs> because when they have the guys sitting on the lines, they can be sitting next to a line for 45 minutes, not moving. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're really in kind of a, 
you know, the, the helicopter world there. And that's, you know, that's what our specialty is. We can do those types of things, but it takes a lot of high concentration, a lot of patience, a lot of, you know, good skills that they have learned through the years. So they like to get the young ones that are coming out from flight instruction that have been doing auto rotation after auto rotation after auto rotation. They know their maneuvers inside and out. They they fly them as normal maneuvers. There's no emergency pro, you know procedures. It's just normal maneuvers. And those are the great ones that are, you know, the the guys that guys or girls that want to be out there, you know, working on the power lines, they're young, you know, they're they're healthy, their skills are sharp, and you know, it's a great way to start a career. Um, but it takes that special somebody that really wants to do that. And once somebody comes into the flight training world in the helicopter industry, and they hear about it, you'll either have that person that goes, "Yeah, that's not really for me," or you're going to find that person that goes, "Wow, that's what I want to do." And that, that's neat to see. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like I said, I've got five of my guys out there that are doing it for this one company now. I can't be any prouder of them than what I am. I mean, they are just they're just amazing guys, and they're really making a difference in the helicopter industry. Well, that's really great. You know, one of the things that I've been hearing from you is these different jobs in, in the helicopter industry. Uh, but I wonder, and maybe from your experience you can tell us, where the where the majority of the jobs are if you were to take somebody like your son daughter and say hey listen you know if you're going to become a helicopter pilot uh you know the majority of jobs are over here and and also over here in this bucket is where the jobs that pay well are so you have two different scenarios or maybe they're in the same spot you know jobs available and also ones that pay where would they be uh right now the biggest jobs are in the oil industry um those tend to be in the Middle East and Africa and Brazil. Those are our heights of our oil company or oil industry right now. Pay for those jobs, you know, can start at 72,000, somewhere around there. Um, but that is for basically six months a year because what you do is you work 30 on, 30 off, especially if you're overseas. Um, so out of six months out of the year, you're getting paid about 70 grand pretty good, you know, income. Yeah. Um, the next biggest jobs would be tours, uh, New York City, Grand Canyon, Hawaii. Those are, you know, your big touristy areas. Those, most of those guys are, again, depends on, you know, what they're doing. Um, most of them work four days on, three days off, you know, or seven and seven, just depending on the companies. You know, they're looking at, they start somewhere around 62000 You know, nice thing is they're home, you know, or stateside. You can be home at night. Um, when you go overseas, obviously, you're gone for a period of time. And, you know, there's a lot of traveling back and forth, but you are also paid accordingly. So right now, those are the two probably biggest areas for helicopter pilots would be the oil industry and the tourism industry. How about the folks that fly EMS? Because we all, you know, we sit there and say, wow, that's amazing what they do. Uh, are there there are much fewer jobs in the EMS field? Well, first of all, they are amazing guys and girls that are out there doing that. And they're risking their lives every single day for, you know, for us. And, uh, you know, our first responders just can't ever say enough. Um, they The EMS jobs, 
they are out there. Most of those do require a little bit more hours and experience just because those are people that are going to go out in any types of weather. They're going to go out into areas where maybe you can't get a vehicle in there for um, a rescue, but you can get a helicopter in it. So those tend to be people that have been out in the industry. I have one that was a student of mine, flight instructor. He went off and flew for the pipeline and power line company, did that for a couple of years, built up his hours, and now is flying EMS. Um, you know, so because so much of that is flying, like I said, in very, very difficult situations and, you know, the the weather could be bad, you know, unfortunately, or, you know, we don't get a chance to pick when maybe there's going to be a car accident or a house fire or something like that where somebody needs to have that immediate care. So they usually, EMS pilots, there are a lot of them out there, but they are for the little bit more, you know, timely or timed pilots, ones that have a little bit more experience. So it's going to take some time to get on there. Um, and how much? How many hours do you think somebody like an EMS pilot would need about? Most of the jobs that are, when they put the jobs out there and say, hey, we're looking for it, they're looking for about 3,000 to 3,500 hours. Okay, yeah, that's quite a bit. Um, so like you figure a student comes through, they graduate at 200 hours, they then go on, they become a flight instructor. 1,500, 1,700 hours, they go off to their um Pipeline, Powerline, their um, Gulf of Mexico, their tour company. They do that for a couple years. By then, they're at their 3,000, 3,500 hours. So then they're marketable for that next job at EMS. Right, right. You know, getting back to the tour operators, I mean, I think that's really cool. I mean, doing a, being able to go out there and show people some amazing sights. The tour operator, I'm assuming, is an individual that has to have a personality where they can interact with people because they're the only one right on the aircraft that's explained to people where they are. Well, it definitely helps. It helps getting tips, which, you know, helps, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, the income. But a lot of the tour companies now have it set up where – the pilots do interact with, obviously, the people on the aircraft, but they have so many of these that will actually have a taped um, flight. So you go out to the Grand Canyon, and the people that have gotten on, on the board or on board have picked Tour A. The pilot puts in the CD, presses up you know, Tour A. They have it all timed, and it's usually done in multiple different languages, so that when they put their headset on, they can dial in their language that they want to hear. Because we do have people from all over the world that want to go on these tours, but maybe don't understand English very well. So, so the pilot doesn't necessarily have to be trying to explain everything, but they, you know, they obviously will start, you know, pointing things out. But they're they're then, you know, able to have it in each individual uh, client's own language if they need it. So. Those areas, they don't have to, you know, necessarily have the best of personalities. It definitely helps. New York there, they tend to, you know, have the people that do have the great personalities doing the tours around, you know, all the beautiful sites and things like that. But they also have to have pilots that have very, very amazing talents because they're not only are they listening to three of our largest, you know, airports, they're listening to their home base. They're trying to tell, you know, their passengers what they're seeing and, you know, pointing out directions and looking for other traffic and, you know, constantly in 
very, very busy airspace. So, so it does help to have a personality. So without a doubt. And, you know, a lot of these guys, they do, you know, they have great personalities. They go off to do that because they do like, you know, working with people. And again, you know, they got to have the personality to be able to get the tips, which then helps them, you know, make, have their income. You know, I tell you, Pam, I'm sold. I, I want to do it. It's, uh, you know, looking down. I, I see guys at the airport, and I'm so envious of them. They're out there doing these tours in the helicopters. I'm at Albert Witted here. It's my local airport in yes. St. Petersburg. It's just so cool. They go up in a uh, Robinson R44, and they do t- tours around the, the Tampa Bay area. And yes. I tell you, that is, you come back, and I love watching the faces of the people coming off the aircraft because they're so excited. And then you see the pilot, and the pilot's usually smiling and because yeah. they've had so much fun showing these people these, these amazing sights. And, and I think that would be so cool. But you know what? I, I'm not so sure. You know, I had a unique situation. I was able to get a lot of my flight training for free in a helicopter, which is not normal. Uh, but how, if I was going to start from the beginning, how would I do that? How would I get from where I am now to being able to be a commercial pilot and take passengers on those tours? Okay. Well, you know, for a flight school like ours, we, you know, we bring in American students, we bring in foreign students. Usually what I tell everybody, if you are a prospective student, you know, look around, look at websites, see what you think gives you the best feel good you know, gives you the information, make sure that, you know, the school is able to do what you think you need to have done and then go visit the schools. Go meet each individual school because a flight school is a flight school. We all fly the same helicopters. We all, you know, teach basically the same thing. I mean, a maneuver is a maneuver and the FAA has our standards that we have to meet for check rides. But it's really the people inside the flight schools that are going to make the difference. Um, when I was looking at flight schools, when I was starting, I went to four different ones in Fort Lauderdale and met with each and every one of them and picked the one that I felt the most at home with. The ones that were able to answer the questions, give me the answers that I thought I needed. And it just felt like a good fit for me. The other schools were all excellent and they put out great pilots. My personality just fit with a different one. But I tell everybody, go meet the flight schools. What you may feel here in our flight school may be what you say, wow, those people really do take care of me. I feel like I'm part of a family. That's where I'm going to learn my best. So when you're starting out, go find the flight school, um, then sign up. You know, it depends if you're an American student or a foreign student, what you need to have on record. Everybody needs to bring in a passport or a birth certificate to prove who you are. Um, American students can start flying right away. Our foreign students have to go through TSA and get visas and things like that to come in. Uh, You then start flying. You're flying with an instructor. You're building up time. Somewhere between the 20 hours and average 35 hours, you will have all your dual time. You'll go solo for 10 hours where you get to go fly the aircraft on your own doing the things that the instructors taught you, you know, doing cross countries, just doing patterns around an airport. Once you do that, we come back in, we get you ready for your check ride, just touch up your maneuvers, get you set for your private pilot check ride. After that, we move on to your instrument rating. And we, during your instrument, you need to have 40 hours of under the hood or under the foggles where you're only flying by the reference of the instruments in the aircraft. 
once you have finished that, we get you ready for your check ride, and then you move on to your commercial. Your commercial pilot, you need to have a minimum of 150 hours, and there's other requirements inside that that we help you get to along the way. But as a commercial pilot, yes, you can go off and fly and do tours and things like that. But at 150 hours, most people won't get hired as a commercial pilot because you are low time. That's why most people then go on to become a flight instructor and a flight instructor instrument uh, so that you can work in a flight school and get paid for building your flight time. Once you've done that and you build up your flight time, then you go off and work as the actual commercial pilot. Uh, once you're at 1,500 hours, that seems to be the magic number these days. It fluctuates between 1,200 to 1,700 hours of where you're going to get hired as a commercial pilot. But then you go out and you're able to you know, make money. You're able to be insured. And then you are working as a commercial helicopter pilot. You know, it's interesting. It's, this sounds very similar to what we tell fixed-wing pilots to do. The same it's progression. The exact same, yep, exact same steps. There's no difference in the requirements. Um, you know, it's, I tell everybody, follow what you love. If you love airplanes, follow airplanes. If you love helicopters, follow helicopters. You can always do what we call an add-on rating. If you become a helicopter pilot mm -hmm. and you say, but I think I like airplanes too. Great, go get an add-on rating where you can get a added commercial license. You can become a flight instructor in an airplane. You can add on to any rating that you initially have. And that way you're dual rated and you're much more hireable. So say, you know, I'm, I'm a fixed wing pilot and that's something I've always dreamed of doing is becoming a commercial or getting my private uh, helicopter license. How long is it going to take me to get to that point? Well, the FAA minimums for a private pilot is 40 hours. Most people do it about 55 to 60 as the national average. That's to get your standalone private pilot. If you're doing an add-on, the minimum is 30 hours. So it's cut about in half. Um, you know, the whole part of adding on a rating, you're already used to being in the air. You're used to making radio calls. You understand airspace. You already understand all the aeromedical issues. Um, you know how to read charts. You know how to do a lot more stuff. Now we're just teaching you the basics of flying the aircraft. So here I'm going to go and, and do that. I'm going to start getting into helicopters. Uh, is there anything that you know I need to know before I start my training? Is there anything else I need? Uh, I need to go get my medical, I'm assuming. Is there anything else I need to do? Yes, you do need to have an FAA medical. Um, we tell people, you know, just get a student medical that is all that you need to have. It could be a second class or a third class. And as long as you don't have any major heart problems or diabetes, should have no issues getting that. And then you just come and let us start flying. We will go through ground school with you. We will teach you pre-flights. We will go through an entire syllabus of everything that you need to know to be a well-prepared private pilot. We don't believe in just teaching you to a check ride, but being able to teach you to being a very safe professional pilot. So, and starting at the private pilot level, that is where you learn your absolute foundation of everything that you're going to do throughout your flying career. So that's probably 
the one where you spend most of your time in ground school, really getting all that knowledge built in, and we keep layering the knowledge as you go through all your license. So as a new student, like I said, show up at the flight school, find the one that fits you best. Don't just go off necessarily what their website says, because we can put anything on a website, but go in the flight school. You know, if they say that they've got six aircraft, say, I want to see your six aircraft or whatever it is, and ask them to, you know, talk to you about maintenance, talk to you about, you know, classrooms, you know, talk about where your pilots that have come through, where are they working at? How are they doing? Are they getting hired? And that will, that will help give you a guidance of what kind of flight school it is. Obviously, the busier the flight school, you know, it's, you may find it a little more difficult to get flight time. But if you say, hey, I'm here every single day, I want to be on the schedule, they'll get you in, they'll get you taken care of. And a busy flight school is a good sign because that means people are coming through, their instructors are happy, they're building their hours, and they're moving on. And most people say, well, if I come do my training with you, can I be guaranteed a job? If somebody guarantees you a job, run. They don't know how you fly. <laughs> but if you're in a busy flight school, the chances of openings coming up when you graduate are much greater. You know, if you get to a flight school and you see, and this is mainly in the helicopter world, airplanes are a little bit different. If you see somebody in a, a helicopter school that has been there and they say they've been a flight instructor there and they're a young person and they've been there for five years, it means that they're not building their hours and that may not be the best place for you. Right. Um, you know, a busy flight school, you know, my instructors, they get 80 hours a month. They get up to their 1500 hours pretty quickly. They're not spending a lot of time, you know, just, you know, burning hours and not getting out because you're a flight instructor and that's a stepping stone to get out into the next jobs um, of flying those EMSs or flying the Gulf of Mexico or the photo work and things like that. And that's what they're, you know, they're looking to do. So that means that you're out in the, the work world much faster. So you brought up an interesting point as far as flight instructors. Uh, you know, a lot of times uh, the best instructor that you want to fly with is the one that's the busiest. And uh, you're like, why? Well, that's because they're worth it a lot of times. And that's why people <laughs> are waiting for that instructor. But also, say someone decided to do this as a either a second career or a part-time career. Uh, can they make extra money? And uh, and how much do instructors usually make as, as a helicopter instructor in general? Well, my flight instructors, I pay them 25 bucks an hour um, for flight or ground. And so that's why you want to be a busy flight instructor. You want to be able to earn a paycheck because if you're just sitting on a couch somewhere, you know, that flight school that promises you that, oh, as soon as you graduate, you got a job, but they don't know that they've actually got the student base for them, then you're sitting on a couch and you're not making money sitting on a couch. So you want, like I said, that's why you want to be in a busy flight school so that that flight instructor is making a paycheck. If they're making a paycheck, they're happy, they're paying their bills, they're, you know, they're excited about flying. You know, instead of that one that may be only getting 20 hours a month, he can't pay his bills, he's grumpy, he doesn't want to be there, he's not going to give you the best flight training. So, so you want, like I said, that's why you want to find a busy flight school. You know, there's a lot of flight schools out there that, Maybe we'll give their instructors a base salary and then a little bit of, you know, towards their flying time. You know, so there's all sorts of different ways of, you know, pay for a flight instructor. Right. But, you know, 
you want to find the ones that are happy and that are flying a lot because then you know that they're making a paycheck, paying their bills, and they're going to give you the best service. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, everything you're saying is the same with, with any type of instructing out there. Uh, and it's fascinating to see that the, I guess, the average fixed wing and also helicopter instructor are fairly similar in, in what yes. they're going to make. So you, you can make, you know, a decent living as an instructor if you want to, you know, if oh. you put your mind to it. Without a doubt. And, you know, like I said, here at North County Airport, we're very lucky. We've got couple great fixed wing um, schools here on the airfield and their pilots are all busy we you know and we all work really well together and that's one of the things that they say it's a great airport to you know be busy at it's a great training airport and you're going to find a lot of flight instructors out here that the fixed wing guys have come over and talked my guys into doing their add-on ratings and we've had some of them come through and do their helicopter add-on ratings so it, it's nice to see that they share that passion with each other and our happy about doing it and they're all busy and they're doing what they you know they they just love to be out in the air that's awesome you know one thing we we know that the pilots are very passionate about flying but one of the things that holds them up a lot of times is is the costs and uh can you compare or give us an idea how much it would cost to become a helicopter pilot you know from private instrument and then commercial yeah, um, you know, if you're doing private instrument commercial, even your CFI, CFII to go all the way through so you can actually, you know, come back and work, you know, you're looking somewhere around the $57,000 mark, um, you know, that's without your housing and food and, you know, all your extras, but that includes everything that's going to get you to that license. Um, you know, we are going to be more expensive than airplanes. We have more parts. Our insurance is higher. You know, sometimes we burn more fuel. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that go into the helicopters that, you know, the airplanes are very fortunate that they don't have to deal with, you know, when it comes to cost. So um, we are a little bit more expensive, but it is, again, it's a great career. I, I, I did it many, many years ago when it was a lot cheaper. And I, you know, I kept thinking, how am I ever going to pay it back? How am I going to get this money back? And I have found that working, again, in a busy flight school, having my own busy flight school, it was pretty easy to pay back some loans that I had to take out at the time, um, you know, and just replace things when I took it out of my own savings and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's an achievable goal. You just have to, you know, eat the elephant one bite at a time. <laughs> That's for you know, sure. I, I tell everybody and everybody here in our office, um, Jill, who is our director of operations here, she is fantastic at telling people, listen, we don't want all your money up front. You stay in control of your money. Put a little bit of money on account, even if it's just, you know, $1,000. Fly till you get to the end of that. When you're at the last, you know, couple dollars, we'll say, hey, put some more on there. And you can fly at your own pace and your own, you know, financial, you know, abilities so that it doesn't put you in a position where you're not paying your bills, you're not happy, you're not putting food on the table, but you know, it's, you can make it an attainable goal of having a job or going to school, you know, and making it happen, but you got to just plan to be successful. Right. You know, it's interesting as, as you were speaking, I'm, I'm thinking of all these questions that I'm looking at this saying, gosh, you know, do people actually get their helicopter rating? Actually, after you talked about the expenses to, to just privately fly, uh, is that, is that fairly popular now? It is, you know, um, we live in a, a great area down here and flying for people down here is 
kind of second nature because we have so many beautiful places to go. You know, we were talking earlier about flying over the ocean and seeing all the great things. Well, you know, we have people that have have gotten their private pilot's license and have bought their own aircraft, fly to the Bahamas for the weekend, fly to the Keys for lunch. We do it all the time. I mean, we're very fortunate. We had an office in the Bahamas where we were doing a lot of work over there for aerial photography and things like that. And people do that all the time. You know, they'll take their boat over to the Bahamas and want pictures of it. So, you know, they'll hire us. They hire their friends, you know, fly over there. It's, you know, a simple flight, very easy, beautiful. So a lot of people in this area do get their private pilot's license. And they do, you know, they may purchase their own aircraft or they'll still come out and, you know, take one of our aircraft and one of our pilots just as a safety pilot. And they'll fly to you know, Key West for lunch for the day or, you know, just go out and use it as a training flight. You know, say they want a flight instructor with them. They'll do some training on the way, stop, have lunch, come back. What a great way to spend a day. <laughs> that sounds like a fun lesson. Did, is that just a little <laughs> teaser? Can that we, that <laughs> really is. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You know, it's it's interesting, though. That's a great way to, to sell aviation is go out and have fun. You can't just, just be training all the time and, and enjoy your training. I think you sold me on the Bahamas. I mean, I, one of the things that when I used to live out in the Northeast Bahamas, I would I was fascinated how many helicopters were around. Uh, just flying around taking pictures, and now I understand why. You know, it's so yeah. beautiful from the air. It's beautiful from the ground, but it's it's amazing, amazing it from the air. spectacular <laughs> from the air. It, that's, you know, um, when Dave was over there and had, you know, our business over there, I used to, you know, joke around. I was like, oh, how I'm so jealous. I mean, just the sights that he got to see. Mm. Living over there had its own challenges, and trying to run a business over there, it definitely had its challenges. <laughs> but, I mean, how beautiful. What a spectacular sight to see every day, those turquoise waters, beautiful beaches. Yeah. yeah it I, is paradise. <laughs> it is paradise. I, I miss it every day. As a matter of fact, I get to fly over it every so often, and I'm like, oh, wow, it's so beautiful to see those sights. Um, hey, you know, getting back to two things before we talk about ocean helicopters and how you can help people, you mentioned something about an instrument rating. Uh, I think uh, there's a misperception that people really don't need their instrument rating to fly helicopters. Where is that used, the instrument rating, and how often? Oh, wow. Well, as a pilot, how many times have you flown into inadvertent IMC and been thinking, oh my goodness, am I glad I know how to read these instruments? <laughs> so, you know, as a helicopter pilot, yes, even our small helicopters are not certified for instrument flying, but the chances of us, you know, flying on a beautiful day, we have storms that roll across the state very quickly. Maybe it's up to the point where we can't land because we're over swampy areas. So we need to be able to get to an, an airport. Maybe the, the visibility is bad. You need to know how to use your instruments. And even if you don't go out and fly as an instrument-rated pilot, it helps you save your life because it's going to happen. I never thought it would. It's happened to me multiple times. I have never been so glad that I've been able to rely on the training that I had to save my life and my passenger's life because, you know, you're flying along. It's a beautiful day. You know, you don't see what's coming up behind you. It's a bad storm. Fog rolls in. Things like that change very quickly, especially across the flatlands of Florida. 
And, you know, it helps, especially, I fly to the Bahamas a lot. You know, you fly over there, instruments help. You know, we joke about going through the Bermuda Triangle. You know, there's been many times when I've been out there and I think, what would I do if I didn't have my GPS? Would I be able to find my way? And the answer is yes, because I know how to read my instruments. I know how to set them up so that I can pick up a VOR. I can, you know, fly what I need to fly to get to my point of destination. So is an instrument rating, you know, required? It's not required. Is it recommended? Highly. I don't hire anybody that doesn't have a flight instructor instrument license. Interesting. Interesting. I'm assuming some of those jobs you'd have to have them, like going out to oil rigs, I would think. They they actually don't fly in instrument conditions. They only fly VFR and day because it is so difficult out there over water. But, you know, if you're flying in Africa, you see how the Saharan dust affects us all the way over here. Can you imagine what it's like coming off the coast of Africa when you're that close? Right. It's pretty bad. So, So it does help. The guys that are over there flying, I have four guys that are in uh, Luanda right now flying for oil rigs. And they said they will not let us fly instrument. But do you know how many times we've had to because we can't see in front of us because the dust is so bad? Interesting. Wow. Yeah. It so, keeps you alive. It keeps you safe. That's that's important. Without um, a doubt. Now, in, in trying to get these jobs like in Africa or here in the United States, there's one more thing we need to touch on. Is that that degree, Does is it required to have, say, a college degree or an associate's degree to get the job? It is not. Um, is it recommended? Very highly. We have been very fortunate to work with Palm Beach State College with their aeronautical sciences degree. Um, Some things have just changed where they're actually dropping the flight training portion of it, but they are still doing the aeronautical sciences degree itself. Um, Is, is it required? No. Does it help? Yes. It looks really good on a resume and it will make you a much better pilot because of your understanding of aerodynamics and what goes on with aircraft. You know, if I get two resumes across my desk and somebody has an aeronautical sciences degree and one doesn't, that aeronautical sciences degree is going to be worth its weight in gold because I know that somebody has worked hard to make sure that they have the knowledge in their field of expertise. And so, yes, it's going to help them down the road. Required? No. But definitely, it's it's one I try and push most of my students towards if they they can get it. I strongly recommend it. So when they're out hiring, like in the in the airline world, over ninety percent have their degrees. Uh, how would you compare that to the helicopter world? Is it about the same? Um, it's actually a little bit less right now, but okay. it is growing. You know, for years, they said about twenty percent of the people that had helicopter professional helicopter jobs had a degree, and then it went up to about thirty-seven percent. Um, last, I just saw um, just the final tally from last year, and they said right now that it's about 67% of the pilots in the workplace now have some type of degree. And so it is, it's increasing every year, um, and I think it is something that more and more pilots are realizing that they need it. They need the, the information uh, they need the knowledge to help them succeed in this career because it, you know, it's not just about doing a job; it is a career. 
And and it is. It's uh, it's an amazing career, and it's something that obviously you're passionate about, and you've helped a lot of people move forward in their careers. You know, uh, getting to that point of how you help them. You, your Ocean Helicopters has been in Palm Beach for a while, and I've I've been through your school a couple of times, and you know I'm moving down there in six months. I can't wait to come by and, and do a few flights. Uh, but how is it? How is it? Ocean Helicopters. And let's talk a little bit about your school. How do you folks? prepare people for their for their careers as a helicopter pilot and what, what do you guys do different well you know it's funny we we talk about this quite a bit we do work with people you know we get people from all over the world that come in and they say they want to become a pilot and they're like well you know we want to fly once a day and you know just kind of, and i say to them Flying once a day is great to start out because it's a lot of high adrenaline, but we've got to build up that endurance because as a pilot, you could be in an aircraft for six or seven hours at a time. So we help them work with their endurance. Uh, we help them work with you know, ergonomics, just making sure that they're able to be comfortable in an aircraft, which can be a little challenging in the smaller you know helicopters, but we talk to them about you know, being comfortable, sitting comfortably, not squeezing the controls by, you know, relaxing, breathing, staying hydrated. Um, we try and, you know, work with them because when a lot of these helicopter pilots may be in Afghanistan or Iraq in the, the desert or in Africa where it's very hot and very dry, you know, to being in Grand Canyon, again, very dry conditions, you know, we want to make sure that people are thinking about their overall health. Um, we sit a lot as pilots. That's never good for backs and for waistlines and for, you know, circulation. So we talk about just making sure that people are up and moving, you know, when you land, get out, stretch, uh, make sure that you're taking care of yourself. You know, preparing for a job, you know, is making sure that you are trained to the very best. Not, again, and I said it earlier, not training to a check ride, but training to be the very best, very knowledgeable pilot. I'm very, very picky about the people that work for me. I handpick my flight instructors. Um, I watch people as they come through their training here. I see how they work with other people and I listen to them when they talk about their knowledge. And I want somebody that is going to be able to parlay all this knowledge to a student and that student be able to take it and put it into what they're going to be doing. Again, not just training you to pass a check ride. I can train anybody to pass a check ride, but I'm gonna train you to be the best pilot you possibly can. That you come home every single day and you talk to your mom and dad and tell them that you're safe. And I think that's very important that you stress that. I mean, the check ride is is just a check ride, but being a good pilot, takes takes a lot of practice it takes a lot of perseverance and persistence and and i think you folks do that at ocean helicopters i've heard a lot of good things about you that's for sure oh, uh, obviously I've, I've won a few awards there but uh how would they find because you have some great information on your website how would they find out more information about ocean helicopters if they're listening right now well they can go to our website like you said at www.oceanhelicopters.com they can email us right off the front page they can visit us on our Facebook page, which is also Ocean Helicopters. Uh, Jill, like I said earlier, she's the director of operations. She answers all the emails and all the phone calls. She's the only one in the office that's not a pilot, but she 
probably could be. She has a wealth of knowledge. She is so attentive to answering emails and to making sure that people get what they need. If she can't answer a question, she's in my office with the email going, help me answer this. I, I don't get this. What are they asking? And we try and give you the very best information that we can. You know, I say a lot of people will call flight schools and they get a quote on to become a private pilot. The minimum's 40 hours. They get a quote on 40 hours. Well, nobody gets a private pilot's license at 40 hours. It just doesn't happen, you know, not to be a really good pilot. We quote our packages on 60 hours and people are always like, why are you more expensive? I said, because we deal with reality. Right. We know that national average is 55 hours. Maybe you'll be better than that. Maybe I won't charge you as much. Wouldn't that be a nice surprise at the end of the at the end of your training? But <laughs> in reality, you're probably going to be around 60 hours. So, um, so they can go, like I said, to the website. They can go to our Facebook page. They can email us off the Facebook page. Um, we're we are here for you know any type of questions. Pick up the phone, call us. We're on Skype. We have an ocean helicopter Skype. You know. We're here to answer questions. We may not be the right flight school for everybody, but we're here to help answer questions because that is what we do. And, you know, I tell people all the time, they come look at my flight school. They're like, you know, what if I don't pick your school? I, say, I hope you do. But if you don't and you still need to have questions answered, that's why I'm here. I'm a mentor. I need. I have a mentor that I follow and I ask questions and I need to be that for the other people that are coming up through the industry. And that's only how we're going to make this industry better and greater. Well, Pam, with that said, gosh, we have a lot of listeners uh, that are from all over the world and, and all over the country, and they, they may not be able to, to come and stop by and see ocean helicopters. And, and I know you feel, if you're listening, you feel comfortable asking us questions because you've been doing it for such a long time. And it's really easy. Go to feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. And you know what? Uh, I'm sure, Pam, can we forward some of those questions to you, and can you help us answer them? I would love it. It would be my honor to be able to do that. Great, great. That's terrific. And, you know, I think, Pam, the one thing I like about Pam, and I, I've heard a lot about you, and it's been wonderful to be able to finally talk to you, is that you truly are ambassador for the aviation and the helicopter community. Uh, you're you're involved in, in many different things, and, and you've also been promoting different things, like the Whirly Girls and the Helicopters Association International. As a matter of fact, we're going to have a link to those. Uh, for those people that are, are thinking about getting into aviation and and say you're a female right now, there's there's a website I really want you to check out, and that's Whirly Girls. We've had a link to it before, but that's a cool, cool organization. Pam, tell us a little bit about that if you can. Whirly Girls is an amazing organization. They are all about promoting women in, obviously, the helicopter world, but in aviation in general. We, you know, we obviously want to keep women in the helicopter world because there are so few of us. I mean, I joined in... Gosh, I think it was like 92, and I was only number 979, and we're still only not even up to 2,000 members right now. So, And this is for women all over the world that are helicopter pilots or young ladies that are looking to become helicopter pilots. We have scholarships. We have a pilot's shop. We have mentors. We have people out there that have been there, done it, will help answer questions and help give guidance to you know the ladies that want to get involved in, you know, the helicopter world. We have uh, a men's side that, you know, where men want to come in and just be, you know, supporters of the women that are in 
the helicopter world or the rotorcraft world. So Whirly Girls does a lot of great things. Scholarships, they have scholarships for emergency water survival, for Robinson course, for the Bell course, uh, turbine transitions, mountain courses, you name it. They are just promoting something wonderful to the helicopter world. And that's the ladies of you know, that want to be out there and be pilots because it has been very much a male dominated world for a lot of years, but it's nice to see that there is a shift and that there's somebody there behind us that can help support us. And I'm proud to be a member and I'm proud to be a mentor for the young ladies out there. Well, that's an awesome organization. And as, as listeners know, we have a scholarships guide, aerospacescholarships.com. It's actually become the largest uh, online directory for scholarships. We are actually right now putting on a lot of these scholarships that she's, she spoke about, uh, but Pam spoke about. And if you get a chance, take a look at some of those scholarships. As a matter of fact, Pam, before I let you go, we always have a scholarship of the week. And uh, Pam knows a little bit of something about this one. It's actually by the Helicopter Foundation International. And it's a commercial helicopter rating scholarship. And, uh, you know, it, it, the way it's summed up, it's an, it's an answer to the helicopter industry's need for qualified pilots. In an effort to attract new talent to the industry, HFI is sponsoring four commercial helicopter pilot scholarships, and uh, the candidate has to currently hold a private helicopter pilot license to attain the commercial helicopter rating. Uh, primary determinant uh, will be evidence of applicant skill, ability, and be a commercial helicopter pilot and interest in pursuing a career as a pilot in the helicopter industry. These scholarships are typically uh, the open dates are usually September 1st through November 30th. If listening to this now when this comes out, it's, it's open right now, but we'll keep that in the, the directory in our guide all year long so that you know when it opens up again the next year. Currently, I think they're valued at uh, 5000 They were uh, each of these four scholarships they have available that's just one of them you know check it out it's going to be in the show notes uh, we'll have a link to the scholarship of the week well gosh pam you you have mentioned all these scholarships you've, you've helped us understand how to get started uh in the in the world of helicopters and in aviation in general and you know it truly is it's amazing to, to talk to somebody who has the passion for aviation like you do and it's really neat to see that you're helping promote people no matter who they are and where they come from in aviation i really commend you for that i think it's it's wonderful what you've done and i really appreciate your coming here to, to speak with us today well thank you so much carl it's been my again my honor to be here and thank you for everything that you do in the aviation community without people like you you know getting the word out there you know we would just be probably still you know, flying the old aircraft and not making the progress that we do. And, you know, it'd still be just the same old guys out there flying, you know, all those Vietnam vets that are just flying around, which we still love them. But it's nice to see the young people that are getting involved in it. And this is a great way to get it out to them. Oh, thanks so much, ma'am. And and you know what? If you're listening now, I challenge you to do something right now as far as going forward in your career. If you're a fixed-wing pilot, research something new. Research this. Research getting into a helicopter, possibly get your rating. You know, you can do it part-time like we talked about. And go to hel- hel- excuse me, Ocean Helicopters and, and check out their website. And uh, if you have any questions about becoming a helicopter pilot, anything else, of course, Send us an email, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. This is Carl Valeri. It's episode 92 here at Aviation Careers Podcast. All the links we talked about, you can find in the show notes. Do something today, right now, to move forward in your aviation career, and we'll talk to you next episode. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. 
This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.